Welcome to episode 95 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie. No producer Johnny Pham today. He is state hopping this week, I believe three different states within a span of about five to six days. Best of luck with that, Johnny. Uh, Dalton, since you guys last spoke on the podcast, Baker Mayfield led an improbable comeback. Um, the 49ers might have a new quarterback in Brock Purdy, who's pretty good. We'll see tonight, Thursday night. Uh, Kyler Murray, very sadly, tore his ACL. And if you are watching this live on YouTube or later on today, Thursday, on YouTube, before tonight's game, Brock Purdy, not a bad replacement for Kyler Murray. But we, <laughs> we've had a lot happen uh, since that time. Dalton, how are you doing on this Thursday lunch edition of the Half Point Per Podcast? I'm doing great. It's been an incredibly fast-paced couple of weeks. Uh, if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you have a snow apocalypse occurring between the <laughs> Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins, and there's a lot of fantasy-relevant yes. players in that game. Uh, just, It's been a kind of a wild rush of events for the fantasy playoffs this year. I mean, you have Zonovan Knight emerging out of nowhere. Yeah. You have the Kyler Murray injury, which kind of changes the entirety of that offense, mm-hmm. and then you have this San Francisco 49ers improbability where Brock Purdy might be the, the most fantasy reliable asset they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Debo going down with an ankle injury. We didn't even get to mention that yet. Yep. It's a wild start to the fantasy playoffs and what has been a incredibly not fun fantasy season, in my opinion. <laughs> that is odd of you to say since you're 10 and four and in the playoffs <laughs> and in the main dynasty league, you know, I enjoyed most of your podcast with Johnny last week. Uh, except for the part where I got thrown to the bus for not being in the playoffs. Uh, just, I'm tanking. Just just everyone needs to know that. I'm tanking. I'm not just bad. And I'm just I'm trying not to win after a frustrating start. And I think what I most enjoyed, though, was the fact that Johnny, which I didn't realize this until I, I listened the whole way through. So in the last minute, I learned he not only planned the whole podcast, but then only did half of his planned uh, stuff in, in preparation. So that... That was a good time. God love Johnny for that. Yeah, um, there was a lot of ad-libbing on my part to uh, get us to a nice round 45 minutes because there was not a lot of discussion coming from our producer, which might be why he is a producer and not one of the co-hosts. All right, well, let's just jump into it, Dalton. Uh, you mentioned we have a lot going on in in the fantasy football world right now. We're, we're going to actually focus a majority of this show on some dynasty talk. We've done a lot of playoff talk. As far as like how to prepare, go back and listen to past episodes uh, if you want that stuff. One thing that we didn't mention that I should add, it's everybody knows it because everyone can read the schedule. But we have Saturday games now, so that will at least help you make lineup decisions. We talk about making decisions based on your opponent and yourself. You'll have more data than at any point in the season in, in some cases when, when you're making these decisions. Especially if you've got an opponent who has a Miami Dolphin or... Buffalo Bill this week or multiple. There's going to be a lot of guys going in that one. But before we jump into Dynasty, I wanted to get to a few things. And a couple of them you, you just mentioned, and it kind of jogged my, my brain as to maybe things that we should hit on before we talk about uh, this fun T. Higgins incident that happened over the weekend. You mentioned Brock Purdy. You mentioned Debo Samuel. Obviously, he goes down. Brock Purdy banged up, is expected to play tonight. Thursday night. So for anybody who's listening live or going back and watching, do we trust anybody on the Niners besides the big three? 
are, are we still is it still Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey? We don't worry about the rest, even with Purdy. I know he looked great last week, but do we have any any worries that maybe that will not keep up? I mean, no. You, you, at this point, you probably want to start talent in a lot of those positions. I Ayuk looks like a, a kind of a smash start this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like guys not named CMC, Kittle, or Ayuk, though, I'm probably not trying to start like Jawan Jennings probably. Mm-hmm. Not going to get sneaky with that one and seeing what happens. Uh, I do like starting Brock Purdy. The offense has just shown it produces with yep. whoever's at quarterback. And those guys are so good at picking up Yak. Um, that Brandon Ayuk touchdown was <laughs> He's a thing good. of beauty. It, He's was so, good. it was so nice to watch. Ayuk and Kittle should be in a position to really smash without, uh, without Debo in the lineup. So, obviously, if you have Debo, and just as a football fan, it sucks that Debo is hurt. If you have any of those other guys, you are... Not happy for injury, but you're happy for the opportunity that your guys have now uh, because of the injury. And then to the Cardinals, obviously we mentioned Kyler Murray out for the season. I don't think we're thinking about Colt McCoy as a streamer, but we're just thinking about him as far as keeping guys afloat. I think we're starting James Conner no matter what, unless you have a pretty loaded team. And I think you have to start DeAndre Hopkins because he's DeAndre Hopkins. Are we still starting Hollywood Brown no matter what, or is he firmly on that borderline, uh, uh, that flex kind of high upside, low floor? Because that's kind of what I'm viewing him as now. Yeah, I mean, if I don't have to, I'm getting away from Hollywood. He also does not look good like he did to start the season. That mm-hmm. game um, with Colt McCoy, and he had like two or three pretty poor drops as somebody. Well, he had the one where he had the one where he dove for the ball down the sideline where it's like, I think you could have just kept running under that and scored a touchdown, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and as someone playing against him, uh, it was very good that he dropped a lot of those balls, but I I do actually think for James Connors fantasy value, this is amazing. Um, There's no Kyler Murray to steal some of those rushes away. And Colt McCoy is checking the ball down to James Conner. There mm. was one check down where James Conner didn't even turn around because there was pressure yeah. in Colt McCoy's face so quickly. Um, but it's just the D-Hop and James Conner show. But I think they're pretty strong, like top 15 weekly starts at a minimum. Yeah, and, and Conner just has an unbelievable role. I think he played all but like four snaps or something yeah. the other day, which is unreal. You like it for the value. You're nervous about it uh, from an injury perspective. If you have Conner, there's obviously no action steps there. You just roll him out there. And if they handcuff Conte Ingram or, I guess, Cord Clement now, who exists on this team, if one of those two guys is out there, maybe just go go stash. Go stash yeah, one of them on absolutely. your bench as a handcuff. A uh, quick question in the chat before we hop in. Uh, I guess I'll do the, the T. Higgins react real quick because I do just have to. I just have to. I can't help it. But this guy wants to start two wide receivers and two running backs and one flex and a, and a full PPR. So let's pick running backs first out of Ramondre Stevenson, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Rashad White, and DeAndre Swift. If Ramondre Stevenson is playing, he is the top running back out of this group for me. Man, Number two, I think I would say Zeke. I I think I would say Zeke. See, it's full PPR for me. That's true. I'm going Rashad White. Uh, the Patriots, over the last seven weeks, are second in NFL in targets to the running back position, and mm-hmm. they're kind of evenly split between the two. Um, so I'm going with Rashad White. I, and they're still – I still feel like this – the team is still – able to get into the playoffs with the way the NFC South is. Yeah. And I just, I'm still kind of a little bit betting on that Brady magic that something in this offense clicks eventually. I just think Zeke is a nice, safe, like 
10-point play, and you just hope... You know, maybe if you get multiple touchdowns, you can get more than that. Whereas, like, Kamara and Rashad White, I can see the bottom falling out. So, yeah. again, like we talked about in the playoff preview stuff, it just kind of depends on what your lineup needs. But based on, on your receivers, I mean, you've got some good names at receivers, so it's two receivers and one flex from here. Uh, I I guess it's notable neither of us are even thinking about DeAndre Swift uh, out of this group. I do not want to start him. He'd be last on the list. Uh, Chris Goblin, Jalen Waddle, CeeDee Lamb. I'm starting all three of those guys as my two receivers and my, my one flex. I, I think you probably agree as well. I do. Uh, it does depend on the snow game. I might be concerned about starting Waddle this week, and I might pivot to one of my running backs. Um, That's true. And Waddle I, has been very poor the last like month or so. He, he has. And um, teams that aren't bottom – 16 the NFL and defense haven't allowed the Dolphins to score more than 20 points so the Dolphins offense might also be a little bit of fool's gold but yep. we will find out in a snow game yep. <laughs> yep that is for sure it just a reminder if you start Jalen Waddle do not even though he might be your flex by uh kind of tier list there don't put him in your flex because it's a Saturday game and you can still make other adjustments on Sunday uh by leaving that flex open because uh, you have a lot of running back and receiver options and like if Stevenson doesn't play, you definitely don't like depending on your other receivers. Uh, but bottom line, I guess, just leave the flex open at, at all costs if you're playing guys in the Saturday game. I would be a little worried about starting two bucks against the Bengals. That defense has been pretty good as yep. of late. Um, but I mean, you really can't get away from it in that situation. Yeah, I absolutely not starting Swift or probably Kamara to be honest with you I don't I don't really like either of those guys going forward if I have to pick I would say Kamara over Swift like if Ramondre doesn't play it gets a little dire at running back so I'd pick Kamara in that situation but you brought the the Bengals I just want to say to everybody who started T Higgins who bet a T Higgins player prop who bet heavy on the Bengals just to to win or to cover, which they did. But if they didn't, it, it would have felt very bad without T. Higgins. I just want you to know, I see you. I hear you. I am very much one of you who went through all these struggles last week. And I know, I heard Matt Harmon make, make this argument or, or comment, rather. I, I know that everybody could be on the injury report right now. And the only reason why Higgins got taken off of it is because he allegedly got like two full days of practice in Thursday and Friday. I would just guess that their practices were so light that almost anything would be considered full. I think where I'm the most frustrated with this is they're clearly lying about something because they said they lost him in warmups, but then said like he was still active because they had plans for him on third downs that he could maybe play it's like well did you make these plans in 20 minutes and he of course got there for one third down it was the first third down of the game and that was it so it's just like like there's just it's just something isn't adding up and it just it really sucks it's one of the biggest bad beats in fantasy football history because of when it happened i mean this is a win and get in for so many people and t higgins you sent the stat dalton like Joe Burrow has the third highest QBR when targeting T. Higgins of any receiver in the NFL. So T. Higgins has been good, uh, and it's helped Joe Burrow. So maybe Joe Burrow would have had a better game with with Higgins in there. You don't bench Burrow if you know, but you like even if you know Higgins is questionable before the game, you can make a decision and live with the results at least knowing that. It's frustrating. We knew nothing until after the fact, it, and it's just. 
the fact that it was a win and get in and the most important regular season week of the year just is the cherry on top for a really frustrating situation. Yeah, well, just to add to it, this seems like a Zach Taylor special. Uh, there's two years ago where Joe Mixon was like mysteriously not playing for four straight weeks where he was like probable going into every game of those weeks. Yeah, I traded um, for Joe Mixon that year in redraft and he just never came back. It was yeah. like he was like week to week and then he was he was just week to week until the season was over. <laughs> and stuff like this is why the NFL removed the probable designation was so teams couldn't get fluky with how they were listing players. And I'm not saying that there needs to be a full-scale NFL investigation or anything like that, but teams should not be able to get away with listing players as expected to play when they know they're not going to play. Mm -hmm. And it's not like T. Higgins is a player where you're like, oh, he didn't play because of a skill or because of a coach yeah. issue. He was clearly not healthy and clearly not playing, and the Bengals were just misutilizing the injury report, which is the whole point of it is for fair play and competition in the NFL. So teams have to list who's going to be on the field for preparation yeah, and, into it. and even more so, like, from our perspective, obviously, it's fantasy football. And with fantasy football and gambling being bigger than ever and the league very much profiting off of that, like, you just can't – you can't have that kind of stuff happen. Like, if this were to happen on a more consistent basis, it would be a major problem. The fact that it's hopefully a one-off, it, it's going to kind of go – get swept under the rug. But if this were to be a more widespread issue, it would make it – a major problem for anybody trying to gamble on any of these games, on any of these player props, or just to play fantasy football, which nobody cares about us, uh, fantasy football, but people do care about the gambling stuff a little bit more. Yeah. Well, NFL makes a lot of money off both of it, so. Yeah. Okay, last uh, redraft topic, and we'll be quick on this one because we'll have a J.K. Dobbins uh, point later in the show, too. Just thought it was worth noting, not only did he come back, he rushed for over 100 yards, looked mostly really good. I know he had the one long run where he didn't look like himself, but he got better as the game went on and looked really good in a lot of the J.K. Dobbins ways that we're used to, the good vision, good cuts, things of that nature. So I guess the question is, do we trust him for the rest of the season in your fantasy playoffs? I mean, if you're in the playoffs with Dobbins, you're in it. Not because of him, obviously, but he's a guy that you now have to think about putting in there off of your bench just because of what he did last week. And I just wanted to play a quick name game, and we can maybe give a top blank uh, rest of season rank for J.K. Dobbins at the end here. But J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift rest of season? Dobbins. Dobbins for me as well. J.K. Dobbins or Alvin Kamara rest of season? Dobbins. Dobbins for me as well. J.K. Dobbins or Zonovan Knight rest of season? Dobbins. Dobbins as well. That one is... Close. Just because, because Zonovan Knight's getting, getting a lot of usage when the Jets are actually decent. And Mike White, another streaming quarterback for Kyler Murray people out there. We talked about his easy schedule. And that check was, down King that, that, well. yep, Check down King. Uh, Michael Carter apparently getting phased out for whatever reason. So uh, Deontay Foreman or J.K. Dobbins rest of season? Dobbins. I say Dobbins too, but that, that one's also close. And if you're looking for safety – I, I I can't blame you for, for starting Foreman, like, depending on what you need yeah. in your lineup. It's kind of a timeshare between him and Hubbard, though, and I just don't really like to yeah. be a part of that with a putrid Panthers yep. offense. And, and it's going to be a timeshare uh, between Dobbins and Edwards, too, but it's the Ravens. And even without Lamar Jackson, they ran the ball quite well yeah. the other day. Okay, J.K. Dobbins or either Buck running back? Uh, J.K. Dobbins, but... Again, it's because it's a timeshare, and yep. the only thing I like about the Bucks running backs right now is that they're just catching a lot of passes, but their rushing efficiency is just putrid. Like, they're not getting effective rushes, either the guys, Fournette or Roll White. Mm -hmm. 
J.K. Dobbins or Aaron Jones? Aaron Jones. I think he's the only guy on the list that I chose over Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins or Zeke? J.K. Dobbins. I think I'm actually going Zeke just because of the position you're probably in. You're looking for an RB2. If I mean, if you're looking for Dobbins, like, if you're in the playoffs, there's no way you're looking at... You have another running back that you trust outside of Dobbins, almost certainly. If you're picking between Dobbins and Zeke in a playoff matchup, I just think Zeke, that, that safe 10-point type of floor, which it just seems like he has, just more often than not, whether it's a touchdown, the receptions has a decent yardage day. He's good for 8 to 10 points. I just value that a lot in the playoffs when that that could really be the difference between winning and losing in in these matchups. But I also like if you're shooting the moon, yeah, it's obviously it's obviously Dobbins. All right. So JK Dobbins is a top blank running back rest of season for you. I think he's top 12, especially as long as Lamar. Wow, is top 12. Yeah. I'm saying top 18. I thought that was aggressive. Top 12. No, um, I think Fantasy Pros has him ranked as like the RB twenty five going into this week, which I I don't get that at all. But yeah, they could be wrong. though. it's okay. No, I know they can, <laughs> but I, I I just thought it was interesting, and it's just it, Fantasy Pros rankings are always notable to me because it's a a bunch of guys ranks cobbled together for an average. So the average of a lot of people has them as the RB twenty five. They play the Browns this week, right? They do, which is, is an ideal matchup. Yeah, which is like the worst rushing defense in the NFL. Just just tossing that one out there. Just tossing that one out there. Okay, let's go from running back to running back. Let's transition uh, to some dynasty talk now, Dalton. I know we were both excited to get to this one because I chose a list of very tricky running backs to rank in dynasty. And I don't know how you want to do this if you just want – us each to run through our list if you want to alternate maybe it'd be easier if we each just run through our list and we can react um at the end kind of as we go just so people can keep track of of where guys are so the topic is just rank these running backs in dynasty that's it very open-ended dynasty rankings different people have different philosophies for how they view these things so number one Actually, here, let me name the running backs before I rank them. So Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Josh Jacobs, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, Kenneth Walker, and Ramondre Stevenson. That's the list. Number one for me is Brees Hall. Number two, I see the eyebrows raised. I already know you disagree with that. Number two for me, Kenneth Walker. Number three, Saquon Barkley. Number four, Travis Etienne. Number five, Josh Jacobs. I feel like we're going to have a disagreement here, but you were higher on Dobbins than I thought pre-show. Number six, I have J.K. Dobbins. Number seven, Ramondre Stevenson. Number eight, Najee Harris. Number nine, Javante Williams. And then I lied. I didn't have Williams last, like I said, pre-show. Number 10, DeAndre Swift, who is in the thumbnail for a reason. What, what, what's your top 10? What's your 10? Uh, so we do have some similarities in the middle and I think, uh, just important on my end, part of my process is I rank uncertainty pretty high. Like the more uncertain and the farther out things get, the less likely I am to weigh that as something substantial in my decision-making, mm-hmm. um, which we can get to, we talk about these guys. So I went Ken Walker, numero uno. Okay. That, uh, that was, uh, that was, de- that's definitely a reasonable take. Yes. I went Ramondre Stevenson. Two. Wow. Yeah. So, oh man. Uh Saquon Barkley three, so we're in agreement there. Okay. Josh Jacobs four. Okay. 
Travis Etienne five, mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins six, Brees Hall seven. Wow, Brees Hall seven. Yes, DeAndre Swift eight, Javante Williams nine, Najee Harris ten. Okay, so I think there's really just like two or three big differences. And other than that, I think we're splitting hairs with a lot of guys in the middle. So let's let's start with Brees Hall because that's that's the he and Ramondre Stevenson are the biggest differences. Yeah. I, I'm shocked. I thought I was going to – I was, like, fully ready to defend my J.K. Dobbins at six uh, rank. And we can talk about that rank uh, a little bit as we go here. But with Brees Hall, I know he's got the torn ACL. If we get closer to the season and we learn that, you know, he he's not going to be ready to start the season – if we kind of we'll learn more health stuff uh, for him when we get to camp, and that may impact my rank. Like, the, and when I say impact my rank, like Kenneth Walker would jump him, maybe Saquon, depending on where in the world he's at, could jump him. But I don't think I'm moving him beyond three, just because he the dude is 21. He already looked like one of the best running backs in the NFL when he was healthy. I I know he's got a long ways to go. Just as far as if he does come back this year and you have that post-ACL year that a lot of guys have and he's not the, a true RB1, then you know what? That stinks, but you still have his age 23 through 27 seasons. And not only that, you have multiple years left on his contract on, on his team, which even if the situation isn't ideal, I do value guys that that have multiple years uh kind of have a with a situation locked down on a team because there's just a lot more uncertainty when you get to free agency a lot of that is because and we can talk about this with Saquon usually when guys change teams it's because they aren't that good they didn't live up to what they were supposed to be with Saquon if he changes teams that may not be the case so it'll be hard to evaluate but I bet if you looked at just historical precedent Running backs that re-sign with their teams blow away the production of, of guys that go elsewhere. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that as well. Um, I mean, mine was just addressing the uncertainty, and that's where I was waiting more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with these ranks, everybody I have in front of them is healthy, good to go, and I feel good about their situation. The only one on this that has an upcoming uncertain situation I put above him is Josh Jacobs. Yep who I think the skill has proven far and above that wherever he lands, he could end up in a better situation. Than I, the Raiders have I just have such a big smile on my face that, <laughs> that you said that. I love that. Uh, I mean, he, he's been like the best running back in the NFL this year. almost. Yep. Yep. Uh, so everybody above him, I'm weighing the certainty. And Brees Hall's allure is his explosiveness, which with an ACL, I just feel like there's a lot more potential for it to take longer for that to return. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we even saw it with J.K. Dobbins, who got injured before Brees Hall in the same timeline, and it took him a while. To well, get we, back, and then he and we saw it with Saquon, who mm-hmm. you know, I, I we haven't heard that Brees Hall has the other issues that Dobbins have with the the PCL, and he, he ripped his hamstring up too. Yeah, so Dobbins had it slightly worse. He has the Javante Williams uh, injury, basically. Uh, but but even with Saquon, it, it took time, and we were all disappointed with his first year post ACL. Not everybody can be Adrian Peterson. Actually, only one person can be Adrian Peterson, and that is Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yes. Um. So that and that's my concern is that I think that the timeline for me really liking him as an RB one in fantasy might be like a year and a half out, and everybody I put above him, I can see hitting 
RB1 status mm-hmm. in the next year or currently are RB1s. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I usually don't like to look like too far ahead. I like to do like a couple gear window when I think about Dynasty. Just with Brees Hall, I think he he proved to me that he's good enough to kind of justify looking that far ahead. And he's still so young. He's 21 right now. He'll be 22. I think he'll still be 21, just turned 22 when he plays his next game. So he he's still extremely young. He was like a full year younger than Kenneth Walker. So even, you know, even a year younger than Kenneth Walker. So he just has such a long runway that he gets a little bit of a, of a benefit of the doubt. There yeah, my me. last concern is the Jets. I do think yep. that that franchise is in a bad spot because they can't find a quarterback and they're winning games and they could just get stuck in this middle tier road for a long time. They could also end up signing, you know, they, they could be a free agent destination for a Derek Carr, for a Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo, which isn't great, but as long it's as Bre- improvement. as long as Brees Hall has a competent offense and once he gets fully healthy, like he's going to be fine. He's going to be an RB1. So Question before we move past the top two, you know, you had Kenneth Walker two, I had, you know, Kenneth, or you had Kenneth Walker one, I have Walker two, and Brees Hall one. Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, are both of those guys above anybody on this list, or are, is Kenneth Walker above either of them for you? I mean, I can't not rank CMC one in Dynasty. I He might have a year left, but, mm-hmm. like, it, it's just legitimately a world breaker for you. Like, he can win you a season. Yep. I mean, if you have, like, two other pieces around him, he can win you a season. JT, I kind of like Ken Walker above him. You really see? Uh, I, 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 I still ha- I have CMC1, uh, Jonathan Taylor, too. I, I just think Taylor has, like, such an amazing role. And, th- like, whether they draft a quarterback with a high pick they're going to have or bring in another veteran – it should be better than it was this year. It's just, I can just see, and this is where like you get into really fluky territory with dynasty of like what organization is building better. Uh And I feel like the Colts are in a weird middle gray area where like Jeff Saturday is not the answer, but they might treat him as the answer and their draft pedigree lately. They haven't been good at picking and hitting on their spots. And the Seahawks on the other hand, nailed this draft. I mean, yeah. Tariq Woolen, Charles Cross, Kenneth Walker, like they really nailed they, the draft. If it wasn't for the Jets, they may have the offensive and defensive rookie of yes. the year. And they have multiple picks in the first round, very high yes. because of the Broncos. Yeah, they're so, going to end up with like the number three pick or something. Yeah. Um, so I could also just see that that offense really humming. I don't know if they take a quarterback, they probably should. Um, but like if a CJ Stroud is behind there and they're even better, that offensive line is fully patched i and i think shane waldron who i loved two seasons ago is actually a very good oc we yeah. unfortunately <laughs> um just did not know what a mess russell wilson was behind the scenes yep so let's address saquon really quick at three i still say he is probably the most talented running back in the league when he's rolling we've just seen far too many times where whether it's because of injury or in some cases situation and a lot of cases combination of both which i think is what is happening to him right now um it just hasn't worked out he's in the last year of his deal in new york they have a whole new regimen uh a regime from when they drafted him so not sure if he's gonna be back but he's so good that i don't like we're, we're, I'm not gonna be like, okay, he changed teams, he he's done because this guy, this guy, this guy went to a different team. That that's not the argument, but this is just like 
It's just he is such an unknown because we don't know where he's going to be and on what type of contract. So it's just I'm sticking him at three for now, and he has a lot of mobility upward or downward based on where he goes and what his contract looks like, like how many years he gets, that kind of thing. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I do think, I mean, just look at CMC this year. He's better at the Niners. Yeah. There can be a really good change of direction. I just really don't, like, the wide receiver free agency this offseason is so terrible mm-hmm. that I could see a team saying we need a really good skill position player and overpaying a Jacobs or a Saquon Barkley and it being a bad contract like the Kirk contract, but being a very good fantasy pointer. Mm-hmm. And what what is possible for both Saquon and Jacobs, I guess, but both first round picks, uh, maybe they both just get tagged and they're just back with these same teams on one year deals, which you don't hate them going back to their teams. You don't love them being on, you know, having to do another year on a one year deal, because then if something goes wrong with either of those guys next year, all of a sudden they may be. Uh, not holding the bag. The opposite. Yeah. They they may be not getting the bag be, because something happened. So that that is the risk with both Saquon and Josh Jacobs. And to me, that's the only reason why I have ETM four and Jacobs five is the the Jacobs uncertainty. Like I'm with you. He's been one of the best backs in the league so far. Probably the fantasy MVP. But we just don't know where he's going to be on what kind of contract. Like if he goes back to Vegas. Even if he's back in Vegas, who's their quarterback? Is it Derek Carr? Is it an upgrade? Is it a downgrade? Like, we, we just don't know so much about his situation. But the reason why Jacob still has to be, I think, top five, I have him five, you have him four, is he's number one, awesome. Number two, we talk about this all the time, underrated how young he is, under-talked about how young he is, younger than Najee Harris still. Mm-hmm. Well, and Najee was very far down both of our lists. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. J.K. Dobbins at six. I feel like we should probably at least touch on this a little bit because I bet you if you look most places, people don't have Dobbins ahead of some of the guys that we have him ahead of. For me personally, I think if just go look up Matt Waldman on Twitter, go look up his media tweets and just find some of his uh, J.K. Dobbins breakdowns from over the weekend. I said it earlier. Dobbins didn't look good on the long run, but on everything else, he looked awesome. The vision, the cuts, like all of that looked really, really good. And I, I've just always been a huge Dobbins fan. I think he's one of the more talented guys in the NFL. He's a perfect fit for that scheme. And he did all of that without Lamar at quarterback. Like Lamar is a rushing threat at quarterback. Sure. It's going to take away some opportunities for him in the, on the goal line, but he's going to be even more efficient. And, he grew stronger as that game went on, which is great. Like you hope he can grow stronger as the season goes on. And the further removed he gets from the knee injury and then the knee scope, you hope maybe some of that explosiveness in the long runs comes back. It probably also just isn't in the best football shape right now. The dude's been dealing with a lot too. So I think that that will improve. The one downside I do see with this is you really have to keep an eye on how he looks and plays down the stretch. If things go poorly down the stretch of this year, not out of the realm of possibility for the Ravens to bring in uh, another running back, whether it's draft or free agency. Like the ringer put out a mock draft today that had them drafting Bijan at 26, which I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Ravens will do that. I also don't think Bijan will be there at 26, but it's not crazy to think they could look to bring in a running back if things go poorly. So that that's kind of the risk reward profile of Dobbins right now. 
Yeah, I will say with the Ravens, I'm going to have two off seasons of saying this offense could have gone nuclear and then got <laughs> derailed by injuries. Yes. Um, because, I mean, they're, they're, the wide receivers they're starting, Demarcus Robinson is their wide receiver one, and it's just a real shit show for their passing game, yep. which obviously negatively impacts the running game, not to mention the Lamar injury. And if this offense gets back to like that 2018 form, everybody is going to be screaming that J.K. Dobbins was a value. Maybe, and- maybe they should consider bringing in another comp. Like, you have to bring in a star, just like another competent receiver behind Rashad Bateman would be nice. Yeah. Well, and I think we've all learned just while we're on the Ravens offense that the the difference between Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey yes. is the Grand Canyon. It's yes. not near as close as some people were treating it in this offseason. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Anything on Dobbins that, that you want to add before we, we move? No, I mean, he's probably like, we just get new shiny syndrome with so many players in fantasy football. Yeah. Um, and like, if you're ranking Travis Etienne above J.K. Dobbins, it's really questionable for me, even with how the offense has looked in Jacksonville, because J.K. Dobbins, his rookie season, looked really, really efficient and looked like Nick Chubb light. Like, he was doing 100-yard games on 15 carries. And everybody was like, well, what if he gets the 20 carries? Travis Etienne is getting that workload and is some days giving you a five-point fantasy outcome. And I don't think J.K. Dobbins is ever going to do that. If he gets 20 carries, he's not delivering you a five-point day. And and Etienne is shockingly not catching the ball still. And it just – that – that, that doesn't seem like it's coming, or at least not this year. The thing I will say, because I do have ETN above Dobbins, Dobbins also has a lot of mobility for, for things I mentioned. If he continues to look good down the stretch and they don't bring in another guy who, like they don't bring in Bijan, they, they don't bring in someone who is like, okay, like this guy could actually start ahead of J.K. Dobbins. Like as long as that doesn't happen, Dobbins could quite easily move higher up on this list for me. I, I just feel like this is kind of a... A little bit of a, a hedge my bets here with Dobbins. But we've got to go Stevenson next. I mean, I have him at seven. You have him at two. I thought about him above Dobbins. I think Stevenson is really, really good. I, I just don't think he's quite the same caliber of guy as those top guys. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. And also curious your thoughts on trusting a Bill Belichick running back long term when we, we know how that can go from time to time. Yeah, well, I'll start with like having the full workload this season, which has been most of Stevenson. I think he's RB10, and that's I, including being injured yeah. for a game. I do think the workload, kind of like with Michael Carter last year, it's broken almost perfectly for Stevenson, where he probably won't get this much again. But he'll still be the lead guy, barring something shocking next year. But this offense has also been like pretty poor mm-hmm. for stretches and he still continued to produce, which is always something I like to see um, with the Patriots. This is again, I'm trying to wait continuity and I, the continuity of Bill Belichick is something I do. Like he always produces a top 15 running back. A lot of the time we, we have this argument on who it's going to be, but pretty consistently, I feel like the fantasy community has been able to pinpoint it. It was Damian Harris last year. I, I think Stevenson was a pretty obvious sleeper. And barring them picking up some running back high in the draft, he's in line to do it. Mac Jones' development, like, I think he's progressing effectively as a quarterback. And we're not discussing it a lot because it's not as exciting as seeing somebody like 
Justin Herbert who just well builds onto the scene. And the thing with Mac is that they they're dialing up an offense where he has like a two yard a dot, partially because their OC stink and partially because their offensive line stinks. So we'll see if either of those things get remedied this offseason. Yeah, and I, the one and their receivers will... stink too. On top of that, besides Jacoby Myers, who's been banged up. Yeah, well, and I do believe that they have learned their lesson of co-offensive coordinating and that they are probably bringing in somebody in this offense was going to be a little more effective. Stevenson, the NFL right now is sixth in force missed tackles. I think he's a very elite talent. Um, and I'm just a believer in him as an every down back. And I think that Belichick is willing to work with that again. Like if they bring in like Jameer Gibbs or something, this drastically alters how I feel about it. Yes. Um, And with Stevenson, I do wonder, like, are either of these rookies they drafted this year who have been mostly waiting in the wings, are either of them going to have a chance at a larger role next year? And just how does that look? Obviously, if it is Stevenson plus those two, I expect Stevenson to be the lead guy by quite some by by quite a large margin. But when you're talking about guys that you know this talented, this high up in the ranks, the the workload if it shifts a little bit away from him, that that could have a have a big impact. So, and I, I, so I, the Patriots themselves can be a little bit fleeting uh, with, with running backs, just with anybody. It's hard to trust year to year uh, for the Patriots and Bill Belichick. And then I, like I said, I, I love Stevenson. I just don't think he's quite the same caliber of back as some, those very top guys like you do, but I'd be happy to be proven wrong because he, he is sure a fun player to watch. All right, number eight, I had Najee Harris. You had DeAndre Swift eight. Is that mm-hmm. right? Okay, so I had Swift last. I guess I don't know where you want to go with these next three guys. We can probably go pretty quick through Najee and Javante because I think even though we're slightly off, our opinions are pretty similar. Like I know Najee entered the season with – with with the foot injury maybe we find out that that was just plaguing him all season he was never healthy and he looks better next year but talk about not looking like one of the elite backs he he has not looked like that really at any point in his NFL career and couple that with a bad situation because of a bad quarterback because of a bad offensive line because of a terrible offensive coordinator it's just not an ideal spot all the way around for for Najee Harris right now and he just hasn't lived up to to what all of us would have hoped for a first round pick at running back. Yeah. And in fantasy, especially dynasty, I just try to get off of bad organizations because they can really put players in bad situations for a long time. And I'm not seeing uh, the Steelers take productive steps right now in the way they're addressing their needs. And we'll get to this when we talk about George Pickens too. I I also like Kenny Pickett, I don't think is a long-term starter in the NFL. No, I don't either. I don't want to make that assumption on his rookie season, but like he's not the greatest, um, and Mitch clearly is neither. But th- this is an organization that I'm not willing to put my eggs in that basket, and mm-hmm. I think Najee Harris might be one of those guys that you have to start every week because he's getting 20 touches, but they're like 60 yards, and you end up burning yourself because he's just a roster bum for yep. you at that point. Yep, and then Javante Williams, we both have him at nine. I mean, look, the, the guy tore his ACL and PCL. It's it's like the worst-case scenario. He's going to have a long road back. And I mentioned the Ravens taking Bijan in the ringer mock. I've seen Gibbs mock to the Broncos multiple times in the 20s, which, I mean, if Denver does that, power to him. But the idea of them bringing in a running back, whether it's uh, draft capital or free agency, that can truly compete for that number one spot, 
or at least once Javante is back, it's like, whoa, like this guy is going to be even with Javante back. Like this is a 50, 50 still couple that with just the health concerns and the bad team concerns uh, with the Broncos. And I am just not feeling good about Javante at this point, which is is a bummer. We'll take my Brees Hall concern. I I amplify it pretty significantly. The injury is worse in the way it was injured. It's going to be a long road to recovery. It's what JK Dobbins had. And that he got injured in the off season, took until week four. And then he ended up having a knee uh, anthroscopic to clean up all the rest of the mess he had in there. Mm And just like with the Steelers, like I don't want to double down in fantasy on a bad organization and the Broncos are, they're being managed very poorly. And then like the Russell Wilson trade was kind of an all my eggs are in one basket. And I'm not, I don't like, they would probably be better with Mike White at quarterback right now. Yeah. And that's, that's not like a shot at Javante, but you don't want a guy in that offense. Like they can't score more than 18 points. They did it once this season and that was on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, There's just no fantasy relevance in that. And on your point about them drafting a running back, they probably will because they do need one. Like there's nobody else in that yeah. room who is a good running back. Um, and depending on the- Yeah, it's like whereas where the, the, Jet, the Jets have Zonovan Knight, they have Michael Carr, they traded for, for uh, Robinson. James Robinson- so they have enough guys to where you don't worry about someone coming in who could be Brees' equal because, yep. number one, Brees is better than Javante, and number two, that room is looking better than, than Denver's. Yeah, and there's a non-zero shot that this entire front office and coaching staff gets nixed next season. Like, if they come out and they're 0-8 or they're 1-9 <laughs> again, like, I mean, it's, they're that bad, though. Yeah. Like, they're losing more players. They don't have draft capital. There's nothing enticing about the Denver Broncos except seeing whether or not Russell Wilson's going to be worse next year or not. Okay, DeAndre Swift at 10 for me, 8 for you. I think we're probably still on the same page, uh, even though we've got, what, just a couple spot discrepancy. The guy's only had three games with double-digit touches all season. He's been banged up. He missed some time, but that doesn't explain what's happened here. We've definitely seen a a lack of trust. The trust has eroded as the season has gone on with Swift. He's had two games of double-digit rushing totals. One of them was the season opener, and then he had one, I believe, just last week or two weeks ago against the Jaguars when they were absolutely killing him. He he's only on pace for 53 receptions if you uh take his numbers over a 17 game season. Like that that's just not even if the running volume is down, we we were sold this is Austin Eckler and it just has not been and we talk about guys you know, talk about teams who could have running backs drafted in their backfield. Like this is another t- like they they are clearly unhappy with what Swift has given them, it would not shock me if they brought in another running back, uh, whether it's draft or free agency or whatever the case may be. Like people smarter than me when it comes to film stuff have pointed out many plays or multiple plays this year where Swift has failed to take a big gain and instead opted for trying for a home run gain on plays. And then it turns into nothing. And that is probably why he's not trusted. Like his talent indicates he should be. And a guy like Jamal Williams, who's just going to get the yards that the great offensive line is creating for you. Like that is what they need at running back. And it's just concerning. It's concerning. It's unfortunate because he is an unbelievable talent, but I just don't want to be in the DeAndre Swift business right now. No. And that, and that's my agreement with you is like immensely talented from an athletic standpoint. Um, lacks vision and decision-making that you want out of somebody. Mm-hmm. Like in college, you can make a jump cut. That's a bad cut and make a defender miss. 
in the NFL, the likelihood of that happening is a lot lower just because of the quality of player. And it, like you said, it's been pointed out frequently that he takes the wrong routes and he goes for these home run plays instead of a 10 yard pickup. And that's like coming into the season, everybody's frustration was his usage. And now I think we're just seeing what the coaching staff already knew, which is yes, he's a home run hitter, but he's also a guy that might cost you three or four drives by not just taking the easy you know, three, four yard pickups mm-hmm. and he's playing like he, you know, like he's a running back named Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but you just can't do the same thing as running back. Yeah. Agree with you there. Okay. Let's touch on rookie receivers and quarterbacks quickly before we jump out of here. Uh, very similar assignment, except it's just rookie receivers. We have eight. We're ranking eight. I'll just go through my top eight. You can go through yours, and we can we can touch on any disagreements we have or anybody that we feel is important here. I've got Chris Olave one, Garrett Wilson two, Drake London three, still have Jamison Williams four, George Pickens five, Christian Watson six, Jahan Dotson seven, and Traylon Burks eight. I saw your eyes get real big at the George Pickens thing. Let's hear your ranks. I think it's going to be Pickens we talk about here. Okay. Uh, I have Chris Olave one, okay. Garrett Wilson two, Drake London three, Christian Watson four, okay. Jamison Williams five, okay. Traylon Burke six, mm. George Pickens seven, and then at eight is Jahan Dawson. So, okay, real quick on a couple guys here, just, just to, to breeze through to, to give these guys – the pub they deserve. Chris Olave, amazing. Average quarterback, he probably is on pace for a 1,400-yard season. Has a 15-yard A dot and a 26% target share per route run. Like, that's impossible for a rookie. Christian Watson also on that list to add credence to Watson and what he's done this season. Olave and Michael Thomas are the only two guys since 1970 to have 40-plus receiving yards in their first 12 games. This is, again, with Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and occasionally Taysom Hill throwing him the ball. Garrett Wilson has been amazing this year, too, even with what what was Zach, Zach Wilson, Wilson. <laughs> ru- ruining like half of his season? He's not far off of of Olave. Just I bet you if you just took the Mike White stuff and pro rate. Yeah, I he, almost put Garrett Wilson first. Yeah, like he he he's very very close. He has an extra gear of explosiveness after the catch that Olave does not. We've known this since the pre-draft. The dude is going to be a star. Drake London has been literally trapped in hell. Still have him number three. I think you could put one, two, three in any order, and it's reasonable. I think this order could change. Like a year from now, this order could be any order, top three, and I'd believe you. Mm -hmm. Uh, London, to me, is awesome. I look forward to seeing what he can do as the offense is starting to gear more towards him a little bit. And now Desmond Ritter's a quarterback, so we hope it gets better there. And then the reason why I have Jameis number four is because he's the only other guy I can see cracking that top three and being in that conversation. He is a true wild card, so can't blame me for having him a a spot lower. We've hardly seen him. He has, what, one catch this year, played two games, caught a touchdown on on that play, but it was a wide-open touchdown, so we didn't really learn much. But I just still love the talent. I'm going to fall back on my pre-draft take. Uh, on Jamison for right now, and then Pickens at five for me. I guess this is where we're gonna where we're gonna have to start. I I think he's been a bit overrated this year, but apparently you think more so than me. Like I think the the crazy flashy highlight plays have gotten Pickens more hype than maybe the the every play stuff he puts on film probably deserves. But he's shown me more as far as just making the number one receiver type of plays than Christian Watson has. Like, I think 
you know, Matt Harmon compared Watson to Martavis Bryant, just a freak athlete, maybe not the most refined route runner, all that stuff, but he's, he's a freak athlete, going to have boom weeks. I think that's what we're seeing, and I haven't seen much to for for me to really say he's going to be anything different than that yet. It's still very early. So that's why I have Pickens one spot ahead, but let, let's hear the, the anti-Pickens. So my first argument with this is like one of the biggest pre-draft concerns was his off the field problems. Mm -hmm. And I think those are rearing their head. And just like with my Najee Harris take, I don't want to invest in bad organizations. And one thing is that it's very clear that George Pickens wants to win and he wants to win by him being the guy. And both those things are going to be very not true. for So so, so I I have a question. So, when you say the off the field stuff is rearing its head, like do you, do you have an example or like is there something that that rubbed you the wrong way that happened or? Well, him yelling, "Throw me the effing ball at his quarterback!" Okay. is something that you know I don't recommend. And I think the Garrett Wilson situation was a little different because, like, Zach Wilson just wasn't throwing the ball <laughs> well. Um, this he also I understand he's very talented. Deontay Johnson is also like worldly talented yeah. and a top like he is also worthy of like a wide receiver one he is consideration he is i Um, i I do just think like if you ask me at this time next year who's gonna be better pickens or johnson i think it's like i feel pretty 50 50 about it right now i i think yeah Um, but that also it lends itself to my concern Mm -hmm. like deontay johnson leads the nfl in targets without a touchdown he's wide (laughs) receiver 42 right now Uh and like that's the same path pickens could follow next year in this offense and Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to look for another answer quarterback. Um, and I don't think that they're going to fill a lot of the holes they need at offensive line. This is a very bad guard and tackle class we have coming up. And then I don't know how quick we are to get rid of Tomlin. I mean, he's a hard coach to get rid of because of his successes, but like it's clearly not working in Pittsburgh. And I just want to get away from that organization. And then you couple a bad organization with a guy who's had off the field issues. I don't like the the volatility that introduces in Dynasty to me. Mm-hmm. So the other two guys, Dotson and Burks, I have Dotson seven, Burks eight. I'm just very confident that Dotson is going to be a top 30 receiver for a nice window uh, of time in, in the near future. He started the season off well, ha- obviously had the injuries that derailed it. He did just go five for 54 and scored a touchdown in their last game before the bye. The hype trade may pick up on him a little bit again down the stretch if he can stay healthy, but he's just like lesser Chris Olave. Very good receiver, polished. I have a lot of faith he's going to be the wide receiver two on this team for a long time and a wide receiver two slash three on fantasy teams for a long time. Whereas Burks, I think it's a lot more volatile. I think he's basically learning a new position this year as an X receiver as opposed to a guy who lines up in the slot, off the line, in the backfield like he did in college over 80% of his snaps. So there is definitely upside for him there that I don't think exists with Dotson. But at this point, I kind of value the safety because Burks, I just see such a wide range for him. Yeah, I think, and and I agree on your Dotson take and your Burks take. I think it's just how we were valuing the two. Um, He's done very well when he's been able to play. Uh, And if Malik Willis, like, turns into something, that, like, deep bomb connection between him and Willis could be something very exciting. He in a very limited sample size is like fourth among rookie wide receivers in targets per route run. And when he's on the field, he's the guy. It's just, he's never on the field because of his injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jahan Dotson, I just never think there's going to be a time where he's like a top 15 wide receiver. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's very fair. That's very fair. I'm just, uh, 
I understand. I, I honestly understand at this point shooting for upside. I just value. I value the safety of Dotson a lot. To to have him just one spot ahead of Burks, but definitely see both sides. All right. Off of the rookie receivers, back to the entire pool of players at quarterback specifically. I just thought it'd be worthwhile to run through our top five dynasty quarterbacks. My one and my two are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in that order. Is that the same order you have it? I have Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so I think you could look a lot of places, actually most places, and I bet you Josh Allen would be number one. And I have no problem with that. I think a quarterback, and I think specifically when you're talking about these two, who I am very confident both are going to be very good for a very long time, I worry about Josh Allen lowering his shoulder into every single person. Every game I watch, I worry. I haven't done. The reason I like Josh Allen more than Mahomes too is because uh, there is this, you know, sick one yard QB sneak upside that yes. Mahomes doesn't have. And that's, that's true. Uh, but I do agree with you. There is a large injury concern in the I, way he is playing football. I just like, you know, right now they're the QB two and three behind Hurts. Mahomes is slightly ahead because Allen hasn't put up huge fantasy stats for the last month or so. But I I think there's really no wrong answer here. I just personally love the safety of Mahomes. Like, I know anybody can get hurt on any given play, but Josh Allen puts himself in harm's way a lot more than anybody else, and especially Patrick Mahomes in the NFL, does in the NFL. No, and I agree with you. Um, I, that's a completely valid take, in my opinion. So, number three. Do we both have Jalen Hurts at number three? No, and my three... Interesting. Is, Jalen Hurts is my four. Okay. Um. I am taking a guy that I do think has a bigger buy-in from his organization, and I will continue to spout that he is a top-five quarterback. Uh, it is Lamar Jackson. I put it number three. I can't not put it. Like, there's going to be a season. You know what's it? You know what? be next year. You know, what's, goes new- you know what's interesting? Lamar, not in my top five. Um, I didn't even want to put the guy at a five of five. but <laughs> I, have yeah. Lam- I have Lamar six, and I just – I, I know exactly what you're saying. There's going to be years, going to nuclear, it's going to line up, but it just it hasn't the, the last couple of years. And I, I don't love their offense. Uh, is just It just feels a lot like a Lamar or bust offense all the time. I don't love the situation he's in. And then, like, you know, the passing isn't an issue with Lamar because he's such a gifted runner. But, like, the difference between Lamar and Hurts for me is Hertz has actually been passing the ball well this year, and I have some faith in him as a thrower. Whereas, like, well, Lamar, a solid passer, but he hasn't been as good as Hertz in that department. I mean, to be fair to Lamar, if you gave him A.J. Brown and Fonta Smith, yeah, he's going to look like a better passer. It's fair, although I was actually shocked to, to learn when I was looking at Hertz passing numbers, his receivers still rank 30th in the NFL in, like, average separation per, per target, which was... A little bit confusing to me, but it is what it is on Hertz before I get too far off of that topic. I, I, I know there, there's been this whole thing in the media this week because of Micah Parsons is it player or team when it comes to the Eagles and Hertz. I, I think it's very fair to say the team has helped him uh, this year a lot because they're, they've are they been the best team in the NFL. They have like the, the best offensive line. Like they're like, if you look at their PFF and his supporting cast is just unbelievable. But I do think you have to give Hurts a lot of credit for this year, too. He, he's on pace for over 4,000 passing yards, a, you know, a career high by a large margin. He already has a career high in passing yards, actually. 29 touchdowns, four interceptions, not sustainable year to year, but still nice to see this year. 
The big thing, though, is he's still 900 rushing yards is what he's on pace for and 13 touchdowns. The dude is just doing peak Lamar stuff on a year-to-year basis running the ball, and Lamar hasn't quite been... Like, Lamar is still awesome running the ball, but he's just not put up the seasons, whether by health or otherwise, that, that Hurts has in the last couple of years. Well, like he did in 18. But Hurts only yes, has, yes. you know, a season and a half. Yes. And once tape is out there on guys, Joe Burrow, things kind of change on how how you can evaluate it. If just, the Ravens just, don't just for go pers- out. Just for perspective on Hurts real quick, 897 rushing yards, if he gets there, that's more than Kamara has rushed for in, in, Ever. in like three of his five years. And he's only topped that number – uh, by like 30 yards one year, and then by literally one yard the other year. So Hertz could realistically out, outpace Kamara's uh, career high in rushing this year. He's been that good. Well, and I will say, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's buzz growing that Harbaugh might be a name that's on the coaching hot seat. Mm-hmm. And if the Ravens offense gets someone like Shane Steichen, who's willing to like utilize more RPO concepts and add valuable pass catchers to their game, like, I really am excited about Lamar, but if I'm a Lamar owner and the Ravens go out and draft uh, a guard and a safety and then a linebacker, and then in the sixth round they take a wide receiver. You know um, that's what they're going to do because that's just what yeah, they do. If they, if, if they do it again, it's like I'm probably done with it because this organization is not buying into them the way they should. I, I'll i be very fascinated to see what – I mean, Lamar is technically, technically not locked to be back there. Like, he could be elsewhere. True. He could be Lamar elsewhere. Lamar Jackson in San Francisco? Who says no? <laughs> Where do you rate him now, Evan? <laughs> Prop, well, I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, it is Kyle Shanahan, so we, who, who's to say? Okay, I, I think it's fine to put Lamar in the top five. I just – the top six is really good. And, you know, seven, if Kyler were healthy, which he's not, so he's not in consideration – so at number four, I have Joe Burrow, and number five, I have Justin Herbert. What's I don't your have Joe Burrow? In my top five. I won't put him in my top five. He's a top. He's, he's, he's a top five. He's a top five quarterback right now. Okay, so I feel. What's your top five? I feel like I have I not named somebody in your top five. No, I go Josh Allen, Mahomes, Jackson. Oh, because you have Herbert. Lamar. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, like I, I would still take Herbert as a player over Burrow. Like if I could just if I had to pick one to start a team, but you look at the Bengals' weapons. T. Higgins still there. Don't know for how much longer because they're gonna have to pay Chase, but Chase will be there at least for the next his next contract. You would have to think. So you know Chase is gonna be there, and apparently Burrow gets to call the offense now, and that's been a major improvement for them since that started like week six or seven. I have more faith in the play calling for him if he's doing it than I do for the. The Chargers and uh, Mr. Lombardi, who is not living up to his name as an offensive coordinator in uh, in L.A. this year, and then deal you know, Mike Williams. How much longer is he good? He's been, he's had struggles this year, and then Keenan Allen. He's almost on the he's on the other side. So more concerns for the weapons of Herbert than than Burrow. And yeah, well, in my opinion, and obviously our rankings don't agree on this, but I would say there's a top four, and there's everybody else. Which is how I like when I put Herbert on here. I was like, I don't really want him in my top five, mm-hmm. and I can I get the argument for Joe Burrow. I even get an argument for Kyler. Um, if Kyler or, didn't tear his ACL, he'd yeah, be yeah. in the conversation. But I really think it's Hurts, Jackson, Mahomes, and Allen, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. I understand that my Lamar Jackson love might be going too far at this point. I will continue to pound his drum though. Uh, but when it comes to like Joe Burrow versus Herbert, I legitimately think. Justin Herbert is like worlds better than Joe Burrow as I think, a football player. I think he's better too. I think he's better too. Um, and if the Chargers organization just gets it together, I 
like legitimately please draft a wide receiver in the first round. I don't think Mike Williams is the guy you want there. Keenan Allen is going to fall off and Austin Eckler cannot continue to be the only passing option that is consistent for him. Draft a wide receiver and throw the ball downfield. Oh yes. my God, man. Jeez. Yeah, Lombardi took the uh, Drew Brees offense way too seriously yeah. in, in San Diego or Los Angeles. Golly. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think we all, I think we have the same top six. It, it's just about, about order. I, with Lamar, like, I want to have Lamar as a clear-cut top four so bad because he should be. But he he's just hasn't been for two years. Like, we talked about his struggles a little bit uh, previously. I think I have these stats uh, somewhere in my notes. Uh, I don't know where. But Lamar has not been a top eight quarterback since week three this season. He's only been a top ten quarterback twice since week three. Like, it's been pretty uneven this year and I I just need to see it I need to see him get back on track before I put him back in that top three or four category as he should be well if they fire Harbaugh <laughs> just don't hire Gino Ariyama or something else you know <laughs> like that would be so horrible okay before we get out of here uh well Thomas Gage in the chat says Justin Fields greater than Lamar Jackson I I do not agree uh with that Thomas I'm sorry even though I I do like Fields uh, he does have a non non uh, player question, which we can answer and and hop out of here. He's out of the playoffs in one league, and he has a bye in the other. Uh, so no start sit. So in one of his leagues, a twelve team keeper, uh, one league manager purposely lost to help his opponent get the win, and putting that team in the playoffs over a team that would have made it on points. He purposely benched three of his starters, including. Nick Folk on Monday and lost by three points and say, I forgot to set his lineup. Is this collusion? Yes, this is collusion. Is there anything you can do that would probably, I don't know if your league is in a situation where you have like league rules on that. If you have a six-year-old league, hopefully you have some kind of rules you can fall back on. But if not, I don't know, Dalton, like what, what would be your solution for, for what you well, would if do? If I haven't here? paid league dues, I wouldn't pay league dues would be the first thing I do. Yeah, if um, it if it is a, a league dues league, then that's complete yeah. BS. And even but if it's the not, second it's thing BS. is in I think every fantasy league, fantasy managers have the ability to set lineups. So yeah. or commissioners, I'm sorry. Uh and I would retroact if there are two commissioners, I'd have the other one retroactively reset that lineup. Or yeah. I would tell him he has to do it. Um, but I absolutely would not pay league dues, and I would not rejoin the league next year. Yeah, and I mean, I I get it. A hundred dollar league, by the way. So yeah, it's a it's a paid league. Um, I get wanting to. Oh, and this guy—he's the only manager, so I'm assuming he's the commissioner, and he's the lone commissioner. So the 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 only solution I could think of is is what you said, Dalton, is to have the commissioner force set a lineup because. You there just needs to be an understand even if there's not a clear rule in place, there needs to be an understanding to number one, you have to start a full lineup. And then number two, it has to be a reasonable lineup. You can't throw a guy out there projected for one point and and bench Josh Jacobs or you know, something yeah, like that. And I'm a commissioner in our dynasty league and we had this issue last year where somebody was going to set a lineup that was not optimal at all. They were starting all their bench players yeah. and had that affected the outcome of any games, I was just going to start all of their starting players. Um, I was just going to force start it and move on from there. So I, I would say, unfortunately, because he's the only commissioner and you don't have the ability to actually change what happened, 
I'm with Dalton. If you haven't paid your league fees, don't pay them. If you've paid them, I would, uh, you're not going to be able to get him back. Like he's not going to give them back to you, but yeah, I'd be saying, okay, I'm, I'm out of this league next year. Like even, even if it's with uh, a bunch of friends, like just start a new league and, and forget this guy. Or maybe if you want to stay in this league, even with what happened, say, look, we have to have a second commissioner because there has to be somebody else that has power. Uh, when some, if something like this happens again, yeah, you you just absolutely you need co commissioners. I think in mm-hmm. all circumstances for a league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, if you have, I would Venmo request him my money back too. Like, <laughs> be annoying about it. just keep keep requesting every day until he blocks you or does it probably blocks you. All right, Dalton, that is going to do it for this half hour turned hour uh, episode of the half point per podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at half point per pod subscribe to the YouTube. You can ask uh, start set questions or even collusion questions. And, and we will weigh in on those as well. Link to all those things in the show notes as always. We appreciate any reviews on Spotify, Apple podcasts, anywhere else that you listen to your podcast and we'll be back with a more probably playoff focused show with a little bit of a future twist uh to it next week as well best of luck to anybody in the playoffs and we will talk to you again very soon